Welcome to Kaya, the college and young adult ministry of Midtown Baptist Temple, a ministry seeking to pursue a deeper faith in Jesus Christ through God's word, fellowship, and prayer. What's up, Kaya? Let me get my uh, mom's iPad to work. <laughs> hey, guys. Um, it's good to be here today. Um, I, am, I am humbled and uh, grateful to be standing with you all, and as I am every time we get to meet. Um, yeah, I, I love you guys, if you don't know this. And uh, over the last few years... You guys have become family to me, and if you would have told me early on when I started coming around MBT that I was going to really uh, appreciate and value time spent with the body of Christ, and that was one of the things I was going to love most about being a part of a local church, I would not have believed you. I would have said, but Sunday is the only day I get to sleep in, and now I don't even get to do that. Um, But no, today I, I value my time that I spend with you guys amongst the most important things in my life, and um, I'm grateful to be here with you all today. Uh, My name is Nick. For those of you who don't know me, um, I've been a member of MBT and a member of this fellowship for just just over three years now, Um, and that's exactly how long um, I have been pursuing a relationship with Christ and also reading my Bible. So that's not a very long time. It, It feels like a long time, but I mean, three years, that's you know, that's not that long of a time. Um, what I know about this book is barely comparable to anything of substantial mass. I was going to try and come up with a comparison, um, but the only thing I could think of was like a drop of water in the ocean, and that just like, just like something I would never say, so <laughs> I'm not going to say it. Um, but, um, you know, if, if we, regardless of how much we know about this book, right, and we saw this this morning with these testimonies before the baptisms, if we have testimonies of salvation, um, if we know only the gospel of Jesus Christ, then we have something to say to people, and we have to say it, right? He who hath ears to hear, let him hear. So um, I have a testimony of salvation, and uh, I'm going to share a brief version of it with you guys. Um, I didn't get saved until I was 22 years old. Uh, from the moment that I got my first taste of freedom as a young man, I was living for myself entirely. I was, I was very selfish, and I knew it. Um, and I think, I think my mom and dad probably knew it, too. Um, but, um, yeah, I was really selfish. And that even in a world where Jesus Christ isn't the, the focus of your life, that's not a desirable characteristic in a person, so I would disguise it, like many of us probably do, like I still do today from time to time. Um, but in moments where uh, I could gain something for myself, it, it revealed itself, right? Whether it was I could get some comfort, some success, some reputation, or later on in life, intoxication for myself, um, I was always seeking to please my, my flesh. I was 110% in bondage to it, and I was 110% blind to it. Um, and if you live like that long enough, if you, if you live like that for a decade, um, eventually your decisions catch up with you, right? And this is true of, of anybody. Um, and by the time I was 20 years old, whether it was direct or indirect, um, I think my decisions, my personal choices did catch up to me. Um, and my life was kind of in shambles around, around 20 years old. And from 20 to 22 years old, um, really, 
um, there was such intense chaos in my day-to-day life that after literally hundreds of nights of contemplation, I decided that, man, I would be better off if I, was not, if I wasn't alive. Um, and if you would have asked me then, I would have told you that I came to that decision logically, and that does go to show that logic for a man who doesn't know Christ oftentimes is just the option that's most convenient for his flesh, right? Even if it's completely counterproductive to his flesh. Um, give me just a second. That's what Alex Allen would do <laughs> if he was preaching. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so, and, and you know, I wasn't happy about this choice as much sense as it did make at the time. Um, I was super sad. I was broken, actually. And uh, this one night in February of 2014, I had realized that I had spent the last two years doing everything that I could to try and fix this situation for myself. And noth- nothing was working. Nothing was. Um, and I decided, well, I realized, really, I said, to myself, I was in my room, I was pacing, and I said, man, I haven't prayed about this once. And then I also thought, why would I? Because I don't, I don't pray about anything. And, um, but, I, but I realized that was like the last thing I could do. And I wasn't a person of faith. I hadn't grown up like in a church or anything like that. So I, you know, it wasn't a decision I would go to up front. It was, it was going to be my last decision if it was ever going to be made. Um, so I, I decided I was going to get down on my knees, and I said, I'm going to pray. And I said, I'm going to pray to Jesus Christ. And uh, so I did. I got on my knees. I didn't even know how to pray. I said, God, please give me a reason to live right now. Please. And I stood up, and I waited, and I was like, well, dang it. My last option has been exhausted. And I crawled into my bed, and I was going to go to sleep. Um, I was going to try to, at least. <clears throat> and about 20 minutes later, I'd get this phone call. I'd see um, a picture of my ex-girlfriend on my nightstand. And I was surprised to see that because we'd broken up seven months ago. And, man, at this time in my life, I never planned on talking to this girl again. I was, that was, this was in my past. We, we had our go. It was a rough go. And um, so I was uh, surprised when I saw her face. And I, I picked up a call and I answered it. And we would, um, we would have a lengthy conversation. And I'm not going to talk about it all for the sake of time, but at the end of the conversation, she would have invited me to come and t- attend church with her that Sunday, so that was two days from then. And I thought to myself, man, what a coincidence. Um, yeah, I'll go with you. So I did. I went to church that morning. Um, <clears throat> and, and we didn't know it at the time. That ex-girlfriend is now my wife. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's Hannah Hatton. I gave her the, vo- or the name of a country singer, Hannah Hatton. Um, yeah, we didn't know it at the time, but I was going to get saved that morning. It was going to be the first time in my adult life, I guess, in my entire life, that I would hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I would understand that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh, and that he died for my sins, so that I could be forgiven, so that I could accept the free gift of salvation to enter into eternal life with him. And I would be a changed man. I'd feel it in that instance. And... Uh, Man, you just, you never know how things are going to work. And now Hannah and I have a son together, and his name is um, Shiloh. And, um, man, I'm just so grateful for my testimony and for the path that, that whether or not I was taken off a path to get to where I was, it doesn't matter. I, God worked in my life, and God will work in each one of our lives if you allow him to. So anyway, um, after getting saved, the next two years... 
I would struggle with, with keeping up with my faith. Surprise, surprise. I was on fire for the Lord for the first couple weeks, but I knew not what to do with this flame that I had. And uh, it's partially because I wasn't <clears throat> a part of a local church that gave me structure. And because of that, I couldn't figure out what the heck my Bible was saying. I would go to it like a couple times a week and look at it and think, well, man, that's, that's boring. And I'd shut it. And, and I'd, I'd go out and I'd, I'd just try to make observations about what Christians do, what they are. And um, after two years of kind of obsessing over the question, um, you know, what I really couldn't figure out is what it was after receiving salvation that made people new men and women in Christ. I couldn't figure it out. And um, I had kind of come to the conclusion that, well, Christians are, a lot of the times, just people who say they believe in something and then live like everybody else. And um, that's kind of what Sam was talking about this morning in his, during his sermon. Um, thankfully, though, I would get plugged into MBT two years later when I was 24, and very quickly I'd have people opening up the Bible with me and showing me what this, this says about Christians, right? And I was getting help reading it. That helps. Um, but for the first time ever, I had an authority that was God's word, and I understood that. It wasn't my own observations about what Christians do and what they say and how they act. It was, it was God's word, so I could trust in it. And um, very quickly, I started seeing the vast amount of things that the Bible says about what makes Christians new creatures in Christ after receiving their salvation. And um, that's what we're going to be talking about today, so I apologize for the, the lengthy introduction, but we are going to open up our Bibles in just a second. Um, and what we're going to talk about is how Christians are made into new creatures in Christ. All right, And a, lar- and a lot of that is largely seen um, in how they express emotion, how they interact with the world around them. Right? That's, that's what we make our judgments off of. Um, and what that reveals is whether or not they have a proper perspective. So that, that's the, message of, or the, the title of my message. Um, proper perspective and how it pours out. So we're going to pray and get into it, but real quick, guys, let's take some time to pray um, for uh, the Powers family. Um, let's let's pray for the Schraders, um, and then uh, also let's let's uh, pray for the Cheetles. Um, they lost a family member recently. There's a lot of you know loss happening right now, and um, yeah. So let's pray about that, and then let's get into the message. Um, God, thank you for for who you are, Lord. Thank you for my testimony. Um, And God, for the testimony of the men and women in this room, we are grateful for who you are and for what you do and for how you change people. Um, God, we ask that you would bless this time today, that you move me aside, that you take away my nerves, and um, that we would hear from you and that we would come or become more unified in your word. Um, And God, for those of us who, who know the the Powers family, the Ginthers, uh, the Cheetos, and then also Nathan Schrader. Um, God, we pray for them right now and for, for, for comfort in their lives, Lord. Um, loss is difficult. Um, we have no control over it like anything else. And, and God, I, I just pray that, that in this time, people, these um, families would be leaning into you. And that's all you can do. That's all we can do. Um, and we can trust you for outcomes that we don't expect. And um, God, that's, that's enough. Um, if, we, if we decide that is enough, it is enough. So um, God, be with us today. Be with those families. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Um, so uh, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3, verses 8 through 10 this morning, okay? 
Um, but before we look at that, let's get some context for what's happening here in Colossians chapter 3. Let's, and we're just going to read the first four verses of that chapter. Um, and we're going to see what the Apostle Paul is telling the church at Colossians. All right, so verses 1 through 4 of Colossians chapter 3. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth, for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Okay, so amen. Um, what is being said here? Paul is reminding the church, right? He's specifically reminding those of us who have risen with Christ, who have a testimony of salvation, right? And we know that because he says, if ye then be risen with Christ. He's telling us to have an eternal perspective on all matters of life. Not just where it fits in, not just when we are, have a really good day at church or whatever it might be. He's saying on all matters of life, have this perspective. Um, and how we do that is by setting our affection on things above and not on things of the earth, right? This is eternal. Sam was talking about this a little bit in first service as well. <clears throat> so as saved Bible believers, right, as followers of Jesus Christ who know they have a mission, we have to focus on eternal things. We do. We have to make our decisions in light of those things. All right? So, again, just to expand on this a little bit, we've died to the momentary pursuits of who we used to be. Right? We've let go of these desires of our flesh that at one point in time gave us our, our purpose, our motive, and our agency. Okay? At one point in time, most of us in this room employed ourselves as agents to, to have our lives unfold in a specific way. Now we have fired ourselves as agents. We are agents of Jesus Christ. We have a new understanding. Now we understand that our lives are hid in God. And just like it says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, that our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, we, the body of Christ, are waiting for the return of Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay? And that, that is why we have to have eternal perspectives. Any other perspective the Christian has only throws them off track of their walk with God. Okay, so we're not waiting for the next raise or promotion, and, and we hold our walk with the Lord next to that or below it, right? Those things might happen in life where we get, when something, you know, works out according to a plan we had, and if it does, praise the Lord, right? Glory that thing to God. Leverage it for God's glory, but don't stop there, right? Don't get lazy in that moment. The mission is still what the mission is. It's down the road. It's the return of Jesus Christ, and until that time comes, where we get to go into eternity with, with the Lord that we serve, the Lord who gave his life for us, there's work to be done. So if we can all agree on that, believing and knowing this to be true for a believer in Jesus Christ means that we all have a daily decision to make. Each and every day, I have a decision to make, and every one of us in this room who've given our lives to Christ have a decision to make. If you've not given your life to Christ, you also have a decision to make. And that's whether or not we're going to live out another day in obedience to the God that we serve. That's the decision, all right? And that's, that's what we will be talking about for the rest of today. But everything that we do as Christians rides on the understood presupposition that our hearts and our minds are fixed on eternity, okay? Okay, so that takes me to key point number one. <clears throat> An eternal perspective is the proper perspective, all right? And this understanding is what makes Christians noticeably different from the rest of the world. Um, when, you, when you see a Christian that does not care about eternity, that 
that thinks about it not, um, they probably look like anybody else, right? And that's what we see a lot of. It's, it's, it's culturally normal to, to have that be the case. But this understanding, this perspective, is what makes us look like pilgrims in this land, right? And that's how we're supposed to look. That's what makes us a remnant church. That's what Pastor Brandon has been talking about for the last few sermons that he's had. And man, what a good ser- uh, series of sermons it's been. But um, moving along now, we're going we're gonna to look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 8 and 10, okay? And we'll be here for the rest of our time together this morning. And again, what we want to understand is that without taking everything else seriously that we've covered, we allow our old man to rule our day-to-day lives, okay? And to put it simply, we don't want to do that. So let's look at this passage and uh, let's see what God's word has to say. But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. When I read this passage, I always get the same exact memory that comes to mind. It's a memory from when I was going through Discipleship 1 a few years back. Um, My discipler was going on a tangent, and he was a man of many tangents. He was always going on tangents. Um, I think we were in like the Holy Spirit lesson, but he was talking to me about grammatical usage of words in the Bible and how they're different from like basic English school-taught grammar. Um, or they're more expansive. I think that's the right word for it. So he took me to verses 9 and 10 of this passage, and he wanted me to see the word put in the context of, of the chapter. And um, what he showed me is that there's this different type of tense. It's called aorist. It's spelled A-O-R-I-S-T. I just told Cody this the other day. Um, I'm going to tell you it again. Cody's my disciple. Um, but what this word means is that an action has taken place that does not it doesn't have a defined ending, right? It happens indefinitely once it's started. It's, it's not restricted to any, uh, to any tense that we're aware of, past, present, or future, all right? So regardless of how zoned out I was when I, when I knew this was a grammar tangent, um, I learned something so valuable that day. And again, it's something that I, that I think about daily, that I look for in the scripture, um, that I'm telling you all right now. This passage is a daily task, right? That's what it gives us. Each and every day, we have to put off our old man and put on our new man. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. All right, it's a daily step in obedience to the Lord in our walks with Christ. And without these steps, we will be a church that compromises our walks and fails to have an eternal perspective. And we will only succeed at being lukewarm in our faith. And so therein lies the issue, right? Being lukewarm in our faith is the issue. When Paul told the church at Colossi, Colossi, this, this very thing, he didn't have plans for lukewarm Christians to take advantage of it, right? A daily task. You have to be willing to apply your faith each and every day to make that happen. And lukewarm is not the, you know, that's just not going to result in that daily task happening, plain and simple. You know, guys, when we wake up every single day and we get dressed, hopefully, um, actually, I've been working from home and getting dressed rarely, but... Um, <coughs> You know, we don't, we don't wake up and put on our old man pants and our new man shirts, right? It's always one or the other. And guys in the room, it doesn't matter if you put on a pair of jeans and you give them a couple cuffs like I did and Antonio did today. Um, if those are your old man jeans, they don't look good on you anymore. They're too tight in the, in the midsection, and they're making everybody uncomfortable. <laughs> um, ladies in the room, if you wake up and you put on your, new ma- or your old man blouse, your very best blouse, 
and it's very flowy. Blouses are supposed to be flowy, right? Am I wrong? Why would I know that? I should know that. Um, yeah, it doesn't matter if that's your very best blouse. It, it doesn't fit you right anymore, okay? We, it's one outfit or the other each and every day. These two do not go together. Not even Miles Cheadle can make this outfit work. And if he was here, I don't, is he in here? No, okay. All right, well, um, also, one of these outfits was supposed to have been crucified with your flesh at the moment of your salvation, so why is it still an option in your closet each and every day? Right? Why do we tempt ourselves with that? It needs to be removed from the option. Let's look at verse 8, all right? Again, the church is instructed to put off, that is to cast away, to get rid of, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, and filthy communication from our mouths. So this is a list of passionate emotions, and they're fueled by temporary instances that come and go in everybody's lives, right? And they're not worth the Christian exhausting their energy on. But we do it, don't we? We step into those emotions. Some of us did on the drive here this morning. Some of us are going to do it on the drive home. Hannah's convicted right now. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm not, but... Um, <laughs> Okay, but yeah, we, we do enter into them, and it's wrong. We're told not to. The scriptures direct us to not do that. Um, let's look at an example of what these emotions look like biblically. Let's look at Genesis chapter 4, verses 5 through 7, and let's read it real quick. It says, But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. So this is from God's perspective. Okay? And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. All right, so looking back at the story of Cain and Abel, specifically where Cain is quoted in verse 5 as being very wroth and having this fallen countenance, that word wroth is defined as glowing and burning anger. Okay, that's what it means. Anger is the first thing we're told to put off in Colossians chapter 3, verse 8. So why do we put that off? Well, we know that for Cain, it resulted in the murder of his younger brother, right? It resulted in horrible, horrible sin. And the same for each and every one of us in this room. When we enter into these emotions, it results in horrible, horrible sin. And God sees that sin the same exact way that he saw, you know, Cain murdering his younger brother. It results in our old man, who's not renewed by the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, having control of our actions, right? What's pouring out of us in these moments says that we have no eternal perspectives, right? That's why we have to put that thing off. Look again at Genesis chapter 4, verse 7. God told Cain, he said, if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. Okay, so what do we know about sin? It's not, it's not standing at the door, counting down from 10, about ready to walk away because it isn't patient. It isn't. It's lying down, waiting for us to open up that door and give ourselves to it. Because unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. All right, so sin is waiting for us to open up that door each and every day, and it will be there, happy to see that yet again we've made another decision for our flesh, right? As far as sin is concerned, we're not people of eternal perspectives. We're addicts that can't say no to the things we allowed ourselves to become in bondage to prior to our salvation. And sometimes it's the things we've become in bondage to after our salvation. Either way, sin expects us to make daily decisions for it. And look at what Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18 says. It says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds, having 
the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their hearts. Brothers and sisters, right? We, we cannot be willfully ignorant of this very thing, okay? If you know Jesus Christ, then we have to live in light of eternity because it's God's will for us. Those of us who choose to fester in these emotions, we are sinning against the Lord, we are representing our God poorly, and we are stewarding our walks with carelessness. All right, the influence that we have over the people in our lives that need to know Jesus Christ withers at the onset of these expressions. It does. We, as God's people, run the risk of becoming our own worst enemies when it comes to ministering to the lost world. So we do have to put these things off, and we have to do it daily, okay? Because sin should not be allowed to abound in the lives of believers just because we all know that God's grace does. Key point number two. <clears throat> Having an eternal perspective cannot be a reality in the life of believers when they continuously open the door for sin. Simple, obvious, needed to, to be repeated, right? This is so important. If we cannot allow the things that are of God to shine through us because they're drowned out by the things that are of our flesh and our, our desires, the, the fruit of our vines as a ministry, right, as a, as a fellowship, is going to suffer and cease. And then we're going to be living contrary lives to the God-given mission that we know we have, the same one that Sam just talked about in the first service. And that's to be fruitful and reproduce for his kingdom, to live out the Great Commission. <laughs> All right, moving along now. Um, we're going to look at verses 9 and 10. <clears throat> and let's, let's read that really quick. Verse 9 says, Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. Okay, so we're given these two contrary caricatures, right? And, if, and again, if ye then be risen with Christ, these two men are very real in each of our lives. Okay, but just for the sake of an example, I'm going to refer to these two contrary men, the old and the new man, as two separate market economies. Exciting, right? Um, now, I'm, I'm using this example because economies are good examples, maybe in my opinion, but I, I think they're good examples. And it, it, depending on the situation, right, that subjects make within an economy, that economy will go in a specific direction. All right, so... Um, one of these economies would be driven by flesh, and it would thrive in flesh. The other would be driven by faith, and it would thrive in, uh, or in faith. So economies can either, they can thrive, they can collapse, or they can remain stagnant. But otherwise, it's, sometimes they can be up and down. But for the most part, those are the three directions that they're going to potentially go in. So again, stay with me. If we're, if we're talking about the investment strategies of the individual people operating within these two economies, because after all, that is what drives the economy, those individual decisions that are being made. Members of the old man economy would be investors in short-term, temporary, high-risk, newly established companies. Okay? And they would do this, they would make these kinds of investments in hopes of getting a quick profit, knowing full well that this is a volatile and turbulent investment habit. All right? And they know that from experience. They're just try trying to get a quick profit. Um... In other words, these guys are in bondage to a bad investment habit that eventually is going to drain their portfolios dry. And it's going to leave them with just enough to get right back into that type of investing because that's cheap investing. All right? And that's the cycle of sin in the lives of believers. That's what it is. On the other hand, we have members of the new man economy. These are educated investors. All right? 
They believe in long-term investments. These investors place their bets in the holdings of companies that are backed by the business philosophy of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All right? In other words, these guys know it's important to have a diversified portfolio. They're not trying to get a quick profit. They're in it for the long haul. They see the end game. All right? And this portfolio that they have, it's proven itself out through truth and over time, just like the scriptures have in our lives right, and in the lives of, of the world around us. And there are principles that keep these men investing in this direction, right? And it's in this. And man, I'd call this the most diversified portfolio of principles for Christians that, that, the, that the world will ever know. But um, those principles have to be known, right? I mean, it's not like the Holy Spirit can just bring something to mind that you've never looked at, right? You have to have chosen God today. You, had to, you, you would have had to have opened your Bibles. You would have had to have some time in prayer. And this, this requires something, right? And this is the main difference between old man and new man investors, is that members of the new man economy are people that draw near to God, all right? And God will draw near to them. And they do this through prayer. They do this through time spent in word. They do this through time spent in fellowship, serving the body of Christ. And all of these actions that pour out of these new man investors influence the economy they operate in into a direction that results in increased faith for everybody within that economy. Man, could you imagine if every single decision we made resulted in increased faith in the lives of those people around us? God would be like, wow, that's what I said to do. All right, so questions for Kaya. Um, have we seriously considered some, some of these things? Um, and, and admittedly, it took me a while to, to think about this. And, and um, it all kind of came together when I had a conversation with my Bible study leader, Alex, um, a couple weeks ago. And man, I'm grateful for you, dude. You are a good Bible study leader. Um, but have we seriously considered how the individual decisions that we make in our Bible studies influence that Bible study into a specific direction? Do we think about that? How your individual decision could cause the Bible study to go in a certain direction? Have we considered how our Bible studies as conglomerates, as Kaya, this fellowship, influence Kaya into a specific direction as a whole? Have we thought about that? Have we thought about how Kaya as a fellowship influences MBT, a local church, into a specific direction? Have we? Suddenly, our singular decisions, which could look like, you know, whether or not we decide to reach out to that old friend and share the gospel with them or that stranger and do that same thing, whether or not we hide out for a season and live exactly how we want to live, whether or not we, we carry ourselves as followers of Jesus Christ and our actions reveal that we have eternal perspectives, all of those things, those singular decisions to be made, result in influence on a local church. And that just keeps expanding, right, to the global church. Man, God forbid that we would be distractions from eternity and the economy of our local church. But again, there are principles that can keep us from becoming that distraction, right? And it all is found within this book. So let's look at just a couple of those things that we could, that we could reference. All right, let's look at Romans chapter 6, verse 13. Um, what does it say? It says that as followers of Jesus Christ neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. All right, so as members of the body of Christ, 
We are to yield the members of our own bodies unto God. All right, this, this is sacrifice, and sacrifice is difficult. It requires, you know, building up a habit of it. And that requires a daily exercise of it. So um, it's a daily task. And in our day-to-day lives in Christ, make us different in how we look because we willingly are to be used of God in all things, right? If we take his word seriously. That's just the truth. That's the result of that. It's the natural result. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. It says that ye put off concerning the former conversation of the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Okay, so church, we have to see that this is truth. Okay, that all of these things are true. And that it's through sacrifice and knowing that our members are to be used of God. And that Christ wants to use our new man through righteousness and true holiness. That we have to keep the door on sin shut on a daily basis. What that action shows is that we are people of eternal perspectives. And there's good news because sometimes when we decide to stop opening doors, we can feel trapped in a space, can't we? But you're not trapped in a space if you don't open that door for sin. You can get rid of that door. You can make it into a concrete wall. You can never open it again. And you're not trapped because there's another door. And this is the good news. And Jesus gives us this door. And we're going to look at that. We're going to look at Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Okay, so this is the last epistle of Jesus Christ, okay? He wrote a series of letters to the Asia Minor Churches. Um, this one's written specifically to the church age that we all live in. That's the Laodicean church age, notoriously known for being lazy Christians. Um, before, he, before he gives us this verse, um, he just got done telling us that if we were cups of water and he had to drink us, he would spew us out of his mouth before he swallowed us because he's grossed out by, by lukewarm water, right? It's neither hot nor cold, and nobody likes to drink lukewarm water unless you're a weirdo because... Because it's, it's nasty. Um, so let's look at Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Man, I love a cup of water with ice. And I realized that recently because I, I, we, Hannah and I didn't have an ice maker for the last two years. And um, I, we, we ended up with a, a bag of ice. And I've been using it in my water, and it's so good. <laughs> um, okay, we just ran out of ice, though, babe. Okay, um, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. This is the door that our new man rushes to on a daily basis. This is our out, right? This is what God gave us when we accepted him as our Lord and Savior. All right, and just like us putting off our old man and putting on our new man has no defined tense, Right, that word, aorist, that, that tense. It's the same exact thing for Jesus Christ standing at that door. He was there yesterday, he will be there today, he will be there tomorrow, waiting for you to open up and let him in for loving and righteousness and righteous intimacy between a father and a child. Praise God for his willingness to seek us out because, man, we, we are lousy at seeking him out, right? And it's true that while sin lies down waiting outside of his door, the creator of the universe stands and knocks 
outside of his door and reveals his voice to us. So we must hear it and we must respond to it. You see, when we don't put on our new man in faith, we by default put on our old man by habit. All right? We enter into former conversations that are corrupt according to deceitful lusts. And how this happens is we're not being living sacrifices. We don't want to give up the temporary pursuits that we have in our lives. We are not people of eternal perspective like we should be. All right, when we meet new people and they ask us the, the infamous question of what do you do, right? Because that's what people say. What do you do? And then you tell them your name, and what do you say? You say your job title. You say your hobby. You say whatever thing occupies most of your time, in essence. You identify with an ideology, a political spectrum, or a view on a political spectrum, whatever it might be, right? We don't say eternal things of that question. What if we said, what if, what if I said, I'm Nick and I'm a Christian? And I do this for work, right? What if I said, I'm an evangelist? Or what if I said, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ? What if I identified with an eternal thing? What if any of us did that? And, and I get it. Like, it's weird. It's not normal to respond that way. Nobody does. Um, the world, the flesh, and the devil don't want those words to come out of your mouth to strangers. But you know what else the world, the flesh, and the devil never wanted us to do? They never wanted us to come to a place where we were confessing with our mouths and believing in our hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of our lives. But we got there, didn't we? Whether it was in a moment of absolute desperation later in life, or you had a joyful realization as a young child of who Jesus Christ was. You confessed it. And all the same, the enemy never wanted you to do it. And it was weird to the rest of the world right? But we don't care about what the rest of the world thinks when we're accepting the free gift of salvation, do we? We don't. And we have to get back to that. And maybe you're hearing me say this right now, and you're like, what is this dude talking about? And if that's you, let me just introduce this idea to you, okay? You do not have to be in the bondage that you are in in life. You can be set free of the things that you're pursuing on a day-to-day -day basis for no other reason than because you think you have to. You can let go of your depression, of your built-up daily anxiety that cripples you and stops you from functioning. You can let go of your struggles with not fitting in and not knowing what it is you're supposed to identify with. You can have true purpose in your life. You can shut the door on sin, and you can open up a door for a Lord and a Savior that will remain. But the only way this happens, and the only way it can happen, is by having faith and knowing who Jesus Christ is. That's the only way. He's the way, he's the truth, he is the life, and it's only through him that we can enter into an eternal relationship with God the Father, the creator of the universe. And, and man, I hope, I hope hearing that distracts you. I hope that for the rest of your time here today that you're distracted by it. I do. I hope you, it makes you wonder and ask questions because it, it should, all right? If your relationship with God needs mending, it should distract you also. You know, there's no end for your pursuit of comfort, peace, or satisfaction in life outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ. There's no end for it. Every one of us are all desiring the same thing. We're all trying to get back to the garden. We're all trying to get to a place of peace, right? But that cannot happen without Jesus Christ. <sighs> all right, that takes me to key point number three. We might end a little bit early. Um, key point number three, having an eternal perspective 
requires the believer to open the door for Jesus Christ on a daily basis. Man, none of these key points have been complicated. And it's, it's because they're not. Scripture is simple. The things that, that keep us on track in our faith are simple. When you try to look past them, that's the same thing as getting off track, right? Acknowledge them for what they are. Let them work in your lives, these simple truths. This isn't a choice that we want to make through willpower or force or obligation, okay? The same as how we accepted Jesus Christ because of our faith in him and that alone we want to accept him each and every day into our lives through faith and faith alone. All right, we need to let go of our old man and we need to lean into Jesus Christ. We need to have faith in that man that gave us true life. Um, in closing, um, I'll just say that at whatever place we're at in our walks with the Lord, again, we cannot stop engaging in the simple things of the gospel. We can't. And, and if this principle here today, this putting off of your old man and putting on of your new man, if, if it's something that, that seems complicated to you, just rethink it, right? It's not complicated. Talk to somebody about it today. It's a simple step, and it should be your first step in your daily life and your walk with Christ. Um, Mark Trotter said something at All Church Retreat uh, that, that really kind of put me on uh, course to look into it a little further, but he said, an obedient believer in Christ does not dismiss today what he did in obedience to Christ yesterday. Okay, nothing we did for Christ last week is going to supplement what we could do for him today and choose not to do. Nothing. All right, we didn't do anything too big or impressive enough that God would say, hey, brother, you take today off. That doesn't happen. Um, And it's a safe bet to say, if we don't take this biblical truth seriously, if we can't engage in our new man, that is the person that we become after being renewed in the knowledge, after the image of him that created him, then everything else that we do for the sake of the mission is in vain. Anything that we do in our own strength, just like Sam was saying this morning, is absent of Jesus Christ and it is in vain. Um, Man, if we're ignoring this step, then we are stunting our walks and we are living outside of having an eternal perspective and the world around you is seeing that. And if you're thinking, why, why is there no fruit in my life? Just get along with God and pray about this. Consider these things, right? Check yourself. Self-counsel. Or get with somebody else and talk about it. Um, but, but church, let, let's engage in the mission, right? Let's engage in our new man each and every day so we can be effective for the mission that we've been given. And that can start for some of us now, and it can, it can start with, with an invitation, um, so I don't know if worship team wants to come up here or not, but um, probably would be a good idea. <laughs> um, listen, we're going to have leaders right over here that you can pray with if you need to come pray, and so many of us, I'm sure, do. Um, if you know Jesus Christ, but you also know that you kept the door on him shut, right, and you've left the door on sin wide open for your life, for it to have free course over you and you make daily decisions for sin, come to the front now and repent of that. Get right with the Lord. All right? God does not need a single one of us to complete the mission that he has for us. Right? None of us are the changing, the key factor that's going to get the job done. But for the sake of unity and for the sake of influencing the economy of your local church into the right direction, become unified with us. Again, start taking strides for God. There's no shame in repenting of what you've been doing.
And if you do not know Jesus Christ at all, and you know that, you know that, you feel it right now, if that's you, come to the front and ask the obvious questions. Come right over here. Be ready to pray about it. Be ready to ask questions. Ask the obvious questions. Okay, I'll give you them. You can say, who is Jesus Christ? What does he mean to me? How can I know him? What does that guy mean when he said he died for my sins? Ask any of these questions. Okay, how can you come to a place of faith? Find out. There's no shame in that. This feeling that you have right now, that as soon as I stop talking, you're going to get up and walk out, that is your flesh. Don't heed to it in this moment. Come now. Have the conversation. All right, let's pray. Dear God, um, <clears throat> thank you for today, Lord. Thank you for, for who you are um, and for this new man that you made us into, God, who's, who's, who's made in righteousness and true holiness. Um, God, I, I'm grateful for uh, this perspective that we get to have, that we don't have to be caught up and in bondage to the things that are on, on this earth and that we can focus on things that are above and are eternal. Um, and God, I pray that we would be a body that takes that seriously, that considers it daily as we choose you over our old man. Um, God, I pray for the people in this room who do not know you. Um, I pray that they would, they would come forth and have a conversation, potentially give their lives to you. God, there's, you know, the way you work in people is, is beyond understanding. And um, God, it's a decision that nobody regrets making it. Um, and, and today is the day to make that decision. So God, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the sacrifice of your son. And in Jesus' name, I pray this all. Amen. We hope that today's message encouraged you to follow Christ in his word. For more information about Kaya, for service times and information about our disciple-making ministry, please visit our website at caya.liv.